0: A lot of drummers end up being producers. And there's something mm. about being a drummer, I think, when you're sort of, you're kind of driving the ship and you're you're like thinking holistically about how everything's fitting in. And you're hearing every little thing and you're seeing every little thing. And also being in a band, um, if you're not just wasted all the time, you learn how to like talk to the crew, you learn how to deal with the press, you learn how to deal with a hotel or like all the different things.
2: Welcome to Curious Creatures. In this episode, we continue our, our talk with Kate Uh Last week, as you remember, it was uh, life in New York City, and this week we moved to the opposite coast. You're in, Calif- you're in California now, Kate.
0: Yeah, I, I moved to L.A. around uh, 2003, officially um okay so i've been here for a long time at this point
2: that's like i never
0: thought i would have moved in to california i was such a new, diehard new yorker as was my mom and everybody else in my family and right. generations and generations of new yorkers so there was a real hatred of la
2: because that's a that's a place you really you you really can't walk around la I right. no i didn't
0: know how to drive and i moved here i would take the bus and i had to get my driver's license at an embarrassing age in the. Uh,
1: um, don't worry i did the same thing you know i yeah. grew up living in in london and being driven around and stuff and, that, and i I didn't get my license till i moved out to california yeah. i moved out in 94 i guess so yeah and i thought i would never live in los angeles but you know i love it here really you know it's yeah. uh it's been it's been really a revelation to me to to live here and i felt a, a, a lot of love and a, and a lot of creativity so it's been good
0: Good. Yeah, I like it to hear. Yeah, I've have a different life here and a different career, and and right. um, a lot of friends from from New York moved out here, and uh, yeah, it feels it's it feels like home.
2: What what brought you? To, what 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 turned it for you to get to L.A.?
0: Well, I fell in love with somebody. I started dating somebody out here in, in Los Angeles, and my that sister, would do it. Yeah, and my sister had actually moved to L.A. a few years prior, and I always enjoyed uh, visiting her. Right. Yeah in LA. And I I think New York kind of ran its course for me. Like I, it was great to grow up there. It was great to, you know, get into music and all that kind of thing. I lived in a loft um, right. that I was able to play drums in. I could make a racket. We rehearsed there and recorded there. Um, but then things just started to change. And I think 9-11 was a little bit of a, you know, scare. obviously very scary time for New York, but... Um, right, right. I just, I liked LA, I'd come in February, it would be 75. I'd come in, you know, yeah. uh, October it'd be 75. I just, I got, just, yeah. New York is just hard. It's just great when you're young, but it's, it's hard. It's like the right. tough living. It's always, you're always kind of like bombarded by everything. So yeah, I fell in love and I, I started coming out here more and more my band, Luscious Jackson had broken up in uh, 2000 and I was trying to figure out what, what I was going to do next um is it going to be more music is it going to be a different career that sort of thing and uh it ended up being a different career i ended up working started working in television obviously la is the place for that and uh that's been my career in the last uh bunch of years yeah um so but yeah i never would have thought never never would have thought at growing up that i would end up in la we always la was always the butt of the joke and uh um but you know it's not like did you guys run into each other in la just like randomly or did you
1: no i i knew because
0: that's that's the thing that i miss about living in new york you just run into people constantly la that's why i
1: left london that's why i left london i didn't want to i didn't want to run into anybody (laughs) you know i was like no forget that I, I want to be somewhere i don't know me yeah. lol
2: you came like, to maybe one sound yeah. check in all those years that i could have potentially run into you yes because you were living in la yeah
1: i come down to see you at uh, i came to see you at the at the wilton you you and uh you know the banshees were playing at the wilton and i came and saw you and i i hung out and i i had just learned to drive right so i was very happy right. but i put my car in one of these lots next to the wilton and <laughs> yeah. i was talking to you for so long at, at, the, at the at the you know backstage and then we went to to this club my car got locked into this lot and I'm like oh shit I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get a taxi home because there's no yeah you know, I come back and get this tomorrow morning so right. I always remember that yeah to me the more I live in LA it reminds me of London because it's like it's 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 a you know it's a small town masquerading as a big city I think you know there's it's like depending where you live you know mm. there's lots of little areas where you can you can know people you can get things going you know it's like uh yeah like you know silver lake and then like on the west side there's lots of little but it's like it's all in this huge great conglomerate you know yeah. so um i don't know I'm, I'm comfortable here now and i i like yourself i never thought that i would be you know but yeah. uh it's amazing what life brings to you you
0: know yeah you just have to be open i guess yes. and um willing to take those risks
1: yeah.
2: I like I the way you can choose to wear big boots and a big coat because there's no real need to. I always thought that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So people, yeah. those first gigs we did at the Whiskey, I think we were doing two shows a, a day at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go and, right. and there were people turn up in like, like soft-top, open-top cars and saying, hey, do you want to come down to the beach house? And we're going, what's that? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> st- we stood outside the whiskey with the rider because it had fresh fruit on it, you know. We're going like, no, no, we're taking this back to our hotel, which was the Tropicana yeah. down the road, you know. And, we, of <laughs> well, course, we were walking, you know, and they were smoking spliff. And we're going like, what's that? <laughs> it's like... We were so young and green, it was just ridiculous. We had no idea that some of the kids had like bin liners on with a safety pin in them. And we're going like, right. ooh, it's a bit they, ooh. You know, they've obviously read the Daily Mirror. <laughs> yeah, It was all well,
0: made Well, that just made me think of, I don't know if you've ever seen the Portlandia episode where they have the goths on the beach, where it's yes. like a bunch of goths trying to figure <laughs> right. like, out, out like sunbathing, which is pretty sterile. Yeah. But yeah, I just imagine LA, that scene.
1: I remember when I first got here, people would tell me, "Oh, you know, it's it's going to be autumn soon," and I could never discern what the change in weather was. You know, you have to you have to live here about ten years before you realise there are actual seasons. Yeah. You know, and think, you know, it's a little chillier in the morning. You've got to put the heater on, and uh, you know, but it, it's the weather. It has to be the weather, and also, you know, I uh, I like the fact that topographically, it's it's very. It, Interesting, You know, you can stand up yeah. on top of a small hill and see the whole of the city, you know, which you can't do in New York for sure. And you can't do it in London very much, you know. So I like that. It gives a sense of uh, openness. Yeah.
0: Well, I remember studying the Thomas Guide right. and being really into that and like just looking at all. Because New York City, for the most part, it's it's a grid, you know, except for the village is a little bit crazy. But uh, yeah, uh I remember really getting into this, yeah, the topography of L.A., and, uh, you know, yes, here's, here's this part of this town that you're up on a, on a mountain hmm. and uh, that's a whole neighborhood or, or you know, yeah. beach towns or, you know, all that stuff. But I I still have like a, a laminated Thomas Guide somewhere um, <laughs> that was for truck drivers, like the big, the, each yeah, page right.
1: right if, you, yeah. if,
0: if you had a Thomas Guide, there was like those one or two pages that you'd always use and they'd start to disintegrate
1: <laughs> and they'd yeah. rip
0: or like rub off on the street. Exactly. You're like first exit on the 101
2: so is that like the A to Z of London yeah but it's but it's a lot bigger it's the same thing because it's like you only used you used like four pages of it you used like there's yeah. this whole book that went out to Willesdon and South London right. and it, but you only ever bothered yeah. with like the West End.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that the one that the cab drivers all have to memorize or something? Uh, yes, they to have to do,
1: do the knowledge and, and the knowledge yeah. you have to have the knowledge or do everything. But, you know, the th- the trouble with the Thomas guide was because it was so big, you couldn't really put it on your lap. You had to put it on the passenger seat next to you. So you'd be driving along trying to to look at the passenger seat and see where you were going you know and then you have to avoid somebody in front of you it was pretty hectic driving
0: It also cut off at a certain spot so if you happen to be going to like ventura or or outside of la county yeah for some reason it, you're out of luck <laughs> shit out of luck
1: yeah Good luck. Well, that's okay because there's, there's nothing outside of ventura anyway i, I shouldn't say that <laughs> i get a lot of letters for that no it's very nice <laughs> out there
2: well I was just thinking the ending of one chapter in your life. what did you have a kind of uh, if you like an overview, like a philosophy what 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 was your guiding thing through that ch- transition, I suppose?
0: Like transition from music to another career? I think yeah. um, well, you know, I'm sure you've all experienced uh, the music business is so, so hard mm-hmm. and it's so hard to make a living um if you don't achieve a certain amount of success um, and we luscious jackson just wasn't really i mean we had like a top 40 hit but it wasn't enough to like launch us into a, a realm where we could make it really make a living um, and and at the time so luscious jackson came up in the 90s and it was a kind of a friendly time for female voices on the radio that sort of thing but then there was like a change that happened where, uh, sort of post Lilith there, where they weren't playing a lot of women on the radio anymore. So we kind of like, we had released an album and things, we were just kind of spinning our wheels, we couldn't, it wasn't getting, you know, whatever. We weren't, we weren't going up, we were just sort of plateauing. And um, some of the girls in the band wanted to kind of get off the road, start you know, working on relationships and having families and just having a different kind of life. Mm. And then after that, um, I had to decide, yes, yeah, so am I going to, am I, you know, your whole identity is wrapped up so heavily in a band and, right. you know, um, Kate from Luscious Jackson or Kate from Beastie boys or wh- whatever, you, you know, it's right. um, you sort of have to come to terms of not being that anymore or, or mm. you're that. And then what else are you? So it yeah. took a few years. Um, it took, I started to took some classes. I was like, well, I've always been interested in typography. Let me take a typography class and stuff like right. that. I learned how to do Photoshop, just to try to like stretch out the savings and, and figure things out. I did, um, oh, what was that called? The Artist's Way, where you write yes. like yes. morning papers, all this stuff. Morning. I did all those things. I did all the things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I did all the things.
1: Morning pages, three morning pages. Right. I, I have I have mine here. Lol gave me one
2: for my last <laughs> okay. Christmas, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was just sort of like honing in on what are my interests? I've always been, I've always liked lights. Is there somebody I could learn how to do lights? So like, for, for, and the, like lighting at a show yeah. or that sort of thing. Like right. just trying to figure out like what, what interests me outside of music. And I think I I also knew that I didn't really want to tour um, unless it was like touring with a band that was, you know, REM or somebody that was like everybody had their own bus and everybody had their own, whatever, you know, I just couldn't live that right. lifestyle anymore. It was just too destructive and too hard Um, so it just, yeah, it took a couple years. And then I I fell in love with someone out in LA I moved out here I started coming out here a lot. And then, um, I met, uh, so one of the people that I knew just a little bit socially was Ellen DeGeneres, who, uh, was sort of in the scene that in LA that I was connected to. And I heard that she was starting a talk show and, um, and then I was like, oh, that could be interesting. I, I love comedy. I've always loved comedy. Yeah. I love her as a comedian. I love her point of right. view, like her, her the style of comedy, that sort of thing. Maybe yeah. this is some, maybe maybe working on a TV show, that could be something, you know, it just right. see what that's like. So right. I got, I was able to get a meeting with people running that show um, and they were very great. They had a, it had a lunch. I had an LA lunch. Yeah. Is, <laughs> you know, you hear about these things, right? I love LA lunches. Yeah. And uh I had uh, just learned how to drive and I was very nervous about it, but I wasn't driving on the highways. So they wanted to meet at a place that I was, you know, was a little bit ways, 20 minutes away from my house. Um, but I had, to, so I did a practice. The day before I practiced, drove to this spot <laughs> to make sure I could get there without being on the highway. Right. And also I always, I still have parking uh, anxiety, which I think is a New York thing where you're always like worried about parking. Right. So I still have to suss out what's the parking situation. So anyway, yep. Meeting with these guys, have lunch, and um, they talked to me for a really long time. And um, they they like my point of view. They like, but they were whatever. They gave me a chance to to uh, do an assignment and write in Ellen's voice and this kind of thing. And I was able. And some they said it was great. So they hired me, and I started working as a researcher at the Ellen DeGeneres Show when she launched her mm-hmm. show in two thousand two thousand six. Um, and there's something about being. I, wonder, I don't know if it's a drummer thing, but I've talked about this. Other other drummers. A lot of drummers end up being producers. And there's something mm. about being a drummer, I think, when you're sort of, you're kind of driving the ship and you're you're like thinking holistically about how everything's fitting in. And you're hearing every little thing and you're seeing every little thing. And also being in a band, um, if you're not just wasted all the time, you learn how to like talk to the crew, you learn how to deal with the press, you learn how to deal with a hotel or like all the different things that, um, yeah. so, so being in a band and, paying attention and doing all these things. So it's like a real conducive uh, way to become a producer. So now what I do now is I'm a producer on talk shows. So um, I think also being in bands and being somebody who's been interviewed a bunch. And and uh, so basically what I do is produce interviews. So let's say, mm. uh, but you're you're Lolly, you're, you're booked on our show. I, so I work on, right now I work with James Gordon. He is a, a talk show for the latest yes, show. Yes, you no
1: know James, yeah.
0: Um, so if you're booked on the show, I, would, I am assigned to you and then I produce our, the chat that you and James would do. And there's something about all the background that I've done that, that makes me a good producer. I don't know, know what it is, but I do think there's something about drummers and producers because I've met a lot of producers who, who are drummers or were drummers or that kind of thing. Yes. And I think that's true also for as music producers as well, not just television producers or film producers. There's just some, mm. something about the drumming mentality that lends itself.
2: Which, which, which aspect? I wonder which is the dominant aspect of being a drummer. You know, keeping the head the right way up so the saliva
0: doesn't.
2: <laughs> I'm in Berlin. Um, when I got here, the music college opened. Yeah. And I applied for this position. And I ended up I being head of the drum department and then head of the whole live performance department. And I'm thinking, I'm the least qualified here. I've got to be. Everybody else has got academic qualifications. Mm. The only thing I have is experience of something. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a drummer, you know, so. Yeah. Does it count? It must count. It must count somewhere yeah. that we have. I
1: think it counts for a lot.
2: This It is that thing of all seeing, all listening, all watching, watching everybody's feet out front yeah yeah
1: Mm. yeah well yeah you have a a point really because i i I think you know obviously there's you know there's the stereotypical drummer you know as like the the guy on the muppets you know and oh they're all a little mad you know and crazy and that and sure there's some aspects of that that i can identify with but generally there's a much more you know because drumming is fairly um abstract mathematically i think you know our brains naturally fit that that kind of pattern where we can hold a lot of things together like that and you know like this this whole show is just run by drummers you know it's like it's a whole yeah yeah you know, drummers cooperative um perhaps we're a bit more pragmatic about things you know and less uh less head in the clouds but you know who knows i think uh, as long as we're doing something we enjoy right
0: we're tricking people they like the the lead singer or the guitarist whatever they think they're in control of everything but really the drummers are controlling everything and we're just yeah. doing it in a very tricky way very quiet it's like it's
1: like the goalkeeper in in, in you know in a soccer uh, team the goalies always end up they want to win
2: the match so badly that they end up leaving the goal line and running down the pitch He said, come on you guys i can do it <laughs> we'll, we'll i'll do it yeah. on my own yeah uh, i always yeah. knew that you know i i should leave as much as i wanted to be out front with the guitar and maybe some points Mm. um i that was my little fantasy you know be on the stage
1: commanding the show but you know you did that quite well if i think about it for like like the creatures i mean you were definitely you know you were running that whole show it, yeah. uh, it 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 did me in uh, i i think given the opportunity to run the whole
2: thing i i yeah. di- i did and paid the price it, i
0: well i i think that's also going back to when i saw that first band that had a female drummer and a female bassist and i was like either of those things seem good to me but i'd rather be sitting down and uh <laughs> the drums were more appealing i always like to get a good seat And, um, but also, and I'm not like a front person. I think being like a producer on a talk show, I'm, I'm behind the scenes. I'm like telling everybody what to say and what to do and the comedy and whatever, I'm choosing all those things. I'm controlling it all, but I'm, you know, I'm backstage with my clipboard and, and, uh, you know, and I get to like meet and talk to all these incredible people and like really, um, you know, try to just make everybody fall in love, whoever it is I'm producing. So oh. um and James Gordon's a love and a, and he's great and he's yeah. a great guy and it's been a pleasure. So I've, I've worked with a lot a lot of comedians and he's right. it's It's a it's, cool. it's, it's a super fun job.
2: He seems everybody everybody and maybe that's to do with the whole team seems so relaxed. Uh I, I can <clears throat> only came across him recently. I don't live there of course so I'm yeah. thinking hang on he's got an English accent he's got the best English accent and he and he sings and he's and he does everything really well um,
0: yeah, very talented
2: very yeah uh, so okay I have to ask you how are we doing how-
0: <laughs> in life in, in the big picture
2: how are we doing
1: how are, we- oh, how are you guys oh, doing oh I as interviewers know. I
0: yeah. thought you meant like, like in a really large well uh, we can go we <laughs> can go there as well
1: yeah. we, we, no 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 I'm, I'm, overall picture. You, yeah. guys
0: are doing, you guys are doing fantastically wonderfully wonderful Wow, there's like a it's a fine line between uh being too on the nose and just being free and easy like you find you found like the sweet spot of
2: uh you I know think just you... letting
0: things flow asking follow-ups and uh yeah you're, you're doing great
2: oh you, you're, you're too <laughs> kind you're too kind i and, know and you you've made it so sweet for us or you, you've made the sweet yeah. spot yeah <laughs> uh, That's great. It, It's lovely that you, you you've um, come to hold our hand through our first little <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> uh, well, and, uh, uh, and also put the face t- again to the uh, the cheeky little thing that told me <laughs> to switch, switch the toms round and and I do okay. and, and and I'm gonna cherish this memory because uh, I didn't you, you don't think you're gonna meet twice in life that way.
0: Um, I learned to play drums by watching people. And watching people, you know, on on stage or on TV, that sort of thing. And because of that, I learned to play incorrectly. Or I'm a right-handed player, but I lead with my left hand. Ah, So then I, but then on on, like I guess Ringo maybe is the same. Yeah. But that gives me a lot of weird independence with my left hand, so I can play that Arabian Nights thing easily. Uh, so you know that's no, well, I, lo-
2: I loved it you taught me something that's what's great we always if we're still open well, to learning you know
0: yeah, that's the, the dream come true for I, I can't even believe I had enough nerve at that age to even say anything
1: to <laughs> I was right <laughs> well, I'm glad you did I'm glad you yeah. did otherwise we wouldn't have met now you know think <laughs> about that there you go <laughs> Now it's Curious Question time again. And this week, we're going to answer the third part of Damien B's really long question. It's for both of us. And it says... Now's our big
2: chance. It's our big, big
1: chance. chance. This. Drums in post-punk were an overlooked aesthetic, except... <laughs> I'm glad he said except. Except for <laughs> The Cure and The Banshees and Joy Division. Many punk, etc. drummers having the usual standard setup." up. Was it a conscious decision on both your parts to do original things with the drums, uh, i.e. their configuration? I could go on all day, says Damien B. Well, yes, of course it was a conscious decision. We knew exactly what we were doing, and we did it nonetheless.
2: Well, I think we, we've already... Well, I, I was certainly venturing into that area. <laughs> I, I, um, it's it's kind of like where you're... Um, who you know, wh- who you were listening to or what you were listening to or what, you know, what, like, sailed your boat <laughs> in, in, in music. It, my first memories of drums were somewhere between, I like, and I've said it so many times, but it was a film called Zulu with Michael Caine.
1: I remember that, yes. yes, yeah,
2: And they're all beautifully attired in their British red regalia. right? And the Zulu appeared at a big battle scene at the end. And they all appeared, and I could have made this up. I've checked, there are photographs, I think I'm getting closer to the truth. Okay. But they're up on the horizon, and it's, it's, it's so obvious that these poor guys, these English officers, are grossly outnumbered. But the key to it is the Zulu warriors had shields and a spear and they were wrapping the spear against the shield. And it was like this enormous kind of ram sound, Right, a hundred spears in a hundred shields. And that was the sound I thought, that's what drums should sound like.
1: So you were into the the story that your drums were going to tell as much as anything else
2: isn't that strange it's a very i didn't realize that drums of course they were a communication thing right but what years in the future and and now in the history but i i played with an old friend uh, ben watkins junior reactor and he had two two drummers from south africa mabee he sadly right. passed away just a few, a few weeks ago, yeah. maybe a month, month ago. Mabee and I, we, I put this thing together, a one-off concert, and invited Mabee. And mm. he was a conga player and some African drums. Right. And I'd never seen him do this before, but it was a free-thinking kind, of free kind of concert. We had a, a rough plan. But it was going to give everybody a moment to do their thing. Right. And Mabee started to tell a story with the drums we were in hong kong mm. so they, the vast majority of the audience were chinese right or at least then their first language was was what it wasn't a story we could tell right yes but maybe was making noises and he was having a conversation the drums were one character and i didn't realize how obvious it was mm. I, you know what a a storytelling instrument they are.
1: Well, I think, you know, from the very beginning of time, they were probably the first instrument the man had and they were used for that to message, you know, people. And so I, th- I think in answer to Damien's question, I feel the three bands that you mentioned, we were probably interested because punk had set us free and said, Hey, you don't need to do things the old way. You can do them any way you want. Hmm. And it set us all on this path of experimentation and exploration. And so we were liable from the beginning to do things differently, no matter what, because that's what we thought we could do. And, you know, some of the experiments in that worked and some of them didn't, but it it made our aesthetic and it made our direction very, um, personal and mm. and and so you know if it's personal to you then you're going to do it we were never going to be uh what they call over here plain vanilla we were never going to be you know a run of the mill same kind of unit and, and we didn't try oh well we're just going to be different and vastly different it was just it was inherent in our nature i think that's the nearest i can get to the explanation of that
2: We 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 had no option if i'm i think you like me and Probably Stephen Morris, right? Um, would also would be self taught, yes. Well, so we didn't have like drum corps, like when I came to America and met the drummers of uh, American bands like Jane's Ooh. Addiction, um, Living Color, um, they'd all done their time if you like, they knew their rudiments, they knew their jazz skills, uh, they knew their paradiddles and yeah. drag, drag drag, rolls. And yeah. I, I, I had no idea what this stuff was. I, hmm. all, all I knew was like Kodo or Zulu drumming or whatever <laughs> it might be. And, and and so there was no, we'd grown up on some rock music, you know, which yeah. was, and the the British drummers were swinging. I mean, we were talking about right. this the other day as yeah. well. Um, so even the heaviest drummers, like Black Sabbath or Deep Purple, mm. Bill Ward and Ian Pace were swing. They were yeah. swing drummers, big, right. big, big, big band. Big band, yes. Uh, yeah. And so swing was a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it, it rhymes. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know how to play those things. I had no techniques uh, right. to
1: make make them up well a technique came from a, a belief and desire to do something and that that's a very strong motivator in any kind of art form you know and so we were not um, you know idiots savants or whatever you'd like to call the you know people but we definitely came from uh, a different uh, aspect of of approach you know that was, that was it <laughs> it's like hearing
2: i agree, maybe you did too uh, grow up uh, hearing a lot of reggae in britain sure yeah because of the uh, the jamaican population that, that was brought yeah. into britain absolutely um so i grew up with reggae chartbusters from the the upsetters and right yeah the simarons the and
1: yeah and you grew and, up and i you grew up importantly just, with the one drop
2: yeah there was that and the sound and yes. the fills, yes, the sound of the drums was like no other they they the, the the drums were obviously dry, but there was all this reverb, right, um and yes the the, the the just the either the constant bass drum knocking
1: out the one, two, three, four, or as you say, losing the one, yeah, and that was a revelation to me because you know like I'd been listening to rock. And then mm. you know, I heard some reggae because, like you say, we were surrounded by it all the time. I can remember one of uh, Robert's brother-in-law's friend, Sandy, who's passed away now, would give me these tapes with like all this old reggae stuff on, you know, dub, all kinds of stuff. And he just mm. he just give me mixtapes and I would listen to it. I think, wow, it's like they're playing this thing shifted, just one set on, you know. It's and so yeah, you you get that that becomes part of you as well.
2: I don't think that be America being much closer mm. didn't didn't hadn't 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 absorbed any of those things. Right, is as if it came straight from Jamaica to like London, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham. Yeah, it it, it was direct, and we were get being fed that yeah. either directly or subconsciously because it infiltrated the British charts. David Ansel Collins. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, way before Bob Marley,
1: way right. way before, right. Um An uptown top ranking. Oh my! Well, God. that came. Yeah, yeah. it was just
2: it, so the stuff came in, and we we did absorb that. So when we got the chance to play some 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 bands like our friends, the Specials, yes, right, went straight into Blue Beat and Scar. Yeah. Others uh, like we, that wasn't the music we were playing. We we were not into that style, but it felt it either a guitar part or a keyboard part would le- would take heavily from some part of the Sure, uh, yeah. You know, Sean, we are just, what are
1: we, lol, chameleons. Chameleons and, and products of our environment as well, you know. I mean, you know, there's not many places, say, in, uh, you know, I mean, bands came later from there that had some of this stuff in but there's not many places in in, say in orange county here where you could walk around in the late 70s and just hear you know reggae coming out from a basement flat in notting hill gate you know it's just it's not the same but we had that all the time you know so Our friends down in Orange County, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, big you know, fans they, of.
2: Um, yeah. They were big fans of the specials and bad yeah. manners and people like that. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, so they uh, they
1: imported it them to here. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah. But that's what it's all about, you know. It's a cross. God, God bless them. God bless them. God bless them. Yes, cross fertilization. You know, and that's the way that uh, the cookie crumbles, as they say. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Vol Tolhurst and Budgie Producer, Joe Wong Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier Executive Producer, Mark Cates Associate Producer, Sophie Spear Social Media, Margie Taylor Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K Music Production, Jack Knife Lee Curious Creatures is on the web And you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. I love saying www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com.
2: And you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook,
1: (laughs) at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter, at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram and at doubleelvisfm on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2021.